<sighs> Welcome. So we're back, right? We got episode, what is this, episode four? I mean, this is four. four. <laughs> right, so it's technically episode four on paper, but yeah. in reality, it's I think it's either seven or eight. eight. Something yeah. like that. And now the reason is, it's pretty simple. Mm. Um, we either hated or lost episodes in the middle. Yeah, we, we've recorded two episodes that we decided were poo we just we didn't like them <laughs> we did not want them but we recorded one amazing one which was br- it was genuinely great fun. We, we came away from the recording like beaming it was the, it was like early on in the new year and we thought let's yeah. do another podcast yeah. so we came along feeling like champions and we lost the recording yeah because the machine decided halfway through to stop recording right and and if i was that machine and i suddenly ran out of memory card space yep i would feel like it would be my duty to well, like a little thing would open on top and a, a light would come out and start <laughs> spinning round and round and a siren would go off. But no, this thing just went, oh, I've had enough. Yeah, I'm going to go home now. Just stop recording. Yeah, why? Why yeah. would I bother? I mean, there's, there's no way I could. I mean, because it would be difficult for me to make some sort of sound because it's not like I have two cables attached to two human beings wearing headphones coming straight out of me directly into their ear holes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So we discovered the hard way, did we not? That, um, in fact, you have to clear out a memory card um, before recording a podcast. Yes. So that was a good one that we lost. And so we've given it a fair amount of gap. And we're going to give it yet another go. Yeah. And hopefully, because the other thing is, we've recorded some. And as we said, we didn't like them because Mm. um, I'd get to editing them and I would be, it would be so much filler. And I'd just be like, this is boring. Mm. And, and you, uh, you never kind of questioned it and kind of gone, Paul, are you just having a bad day? You've always kind of gone, all right, fair enough. Well, the problem, the problem is, is like the, so the two bad ones that we recorded um, is we, so at one point we tried to record two in a row. Oh, dear. Because I was going away. Yes. And we just ran out of things to say to yeah, we each did. other. We did. We just sort of stared, you know. It's like, it's like being in a relationship. Yeah. Just at some point you just make dinner and then just, go to sleep. You just give up. Yeah. And then the other one, we recorded straight after the failed one as a kind of like, well, we've had our car crash. <laughs> we're going to get back in the car so we don't get like scared of it or resent it. And we're going to, but we all, I already resented it. Yeah, that, that was, it was it. we were broken at that point. Ugh. So, um, we actually, we're back. We're going to do this one. Mm. We're going to make it. We're going to definitely ship this one, please. We've got notes this time. We so do. And, we're, and since we last... Well, since we last shipped an episode, we actually have upgraded all the gear. They've actually given us mm. proper microphones with uh, kind of foam around the place as well to some soundproofing. Yeah, yeah, that's, good. yeah Don't, that, you, that's, a, that's a soundproofing <laughs> making a noise. <laughs> I've been thinking about um, the kind of our reliance on technology and things. And, and there's been an image floating around um, on the Twitters recently that caught my attention. I don't know if you've seen it. It's the one... Um, actually, I don't even know the real context for it, but it's it's a load of people, uh, an audience for a conference, presumably, and they're all wearing Oculus Rifts. Yes. And then there's Mark Zuckerberg sort yes. of walking down the aisle, and yep. it looks like a kind of horrible dystopian future. I'm not even sure what the real context is. But. Yeah, I don't think I prefer not knowing. When you see those kind of images, and you're just like, I, I'd, I'd rather my mind came up with a backstory. It's probably going to be more fun than the reality, which is, as you say, it's just a conference where a lot of people are trying out some VR. Yeah. But, but it got me thinking about sort of how, yeah, what, what the future is, what our modern reliance on, on, on tech is. And it reminded me of something... Um, that happened, that my partner did, uh, my partner Jen, on, on New Year's Eve. So, New Year's Eve, went to a friend's house for a party. Okay. <laughs> Normal thing you would, you would do. Um, Jen went to bed at 2 in the a.m. And I carried on. We had both taken some alcohols by this point. Okay. Um, but I, I stayed up to take more alcohols uh, with some friends. Uh, so, Jen went to bed. And then about four o'clock in the morning, I had also had enough. Okay. And I checked my phone, and I had eight missed calls. Oh, dear. From Jen. Oh, dear. And, you know, my phone was on silent because, you know, I didn't, wasn't expecting any calls. Because, um, you know, it's New Year's, the networks go down anyway, or they certainly do in, in England. So I was, you know, panicked at first, like, oh, what have I done? So I you know, went upstairs. Jen is asleep. There is no sign of any disaster that's happened that's good okay so good no nothing to worry about nothing okay. to worry about okay so i just went to sleep and thought well you know we'll, we'll, we'll fig- figure it out in the morning right the mystery of the eight calls will reveal itself hopefully and the mystery was revealed 
So, in the middle of the night, Jen had woken up uh, needing the toilet. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. As I said before, we'd both taken a lot of alcohols uh, in liquid form. Uh, and so she got up, obviously in a strange place, uh, and you know, needed to figure out how to you know, get to the bathroom, which you know, she knew the rough layout. But she'd, she went to the bedroom door and then checked the, uh, the left-hand side of the bedroom door for the door handle and found it to be absent. <laughs> and at this point, she went, well, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> Better give Jake a ring <laughs> or eight rings, but, and and this is this is the thing that amazes me is that we are now at a state where we can be too drunk to figure out that a door handle can be on both sides of a door. Well, it can be on either side of a door. It can be on the, the right hand side, which coincidentally is the same side it is on in our bedroom at home. But she, but even though she was too drunk to figure that out, she was still able to unlock a phone. And call me eight times. I think that's just just a triumph of usability on the the phone's part, really, compared to, as we all know, the uh, Mensa standard that is opening <laughs> a door. So it is it's a remarkable achievement. Apparently, she tried to even like claw her way <laughs> right out of the left hand. She, I think in her head, she, the, the handle had just gone. So did she eventually yeah. solve the the mystery? She she did otherwise go away and had to think about it. <laughs> and eight phone calls later, went. Just give it another go. <laughs> in my house, things have been a bit um, a bit good of late, actually. It's been quite a lot of fun. Um, my kids are now reaching the point where I actually enjoy being around them, but they do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those the, the, they're outside of just kind of yeah. screaming balls of flesh. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Now they've got to the point where I can interact with them, which is, is, is a watershed in parenting. Um, but the thing is, my, my two kids, um, they fight a lot. Um, mm. As kids do. I mean, I fought with my brothers, so I don't think there's anything, there's nothing unusual about it. But as a, as a parent, it is quite annoying to live through. Mm. Um, and you kind of hope that one's going to take the high road occasionally, which rarely seems to happen. But my son recently did. He was stood in his bedroom, he's minding his own business, and my daughter, who's the younger sibling, mm. she's like half his age, she walks up, she just shoves him in the back as hard as she can. Oh, that's not cool. No, it's not cool. Um, uh, so I gave her the stern word, you know, mm-hmm. like, don't, what are you doing, you know? At least wait till I'm out of sight. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I didn't say that. I should have done. Um, and my son, he walked up to me and he he, he sort of said, "Daddy, it's okay. I, I won't do anything. I won't do anything to her." Oh, that's good of you, son. Oh, so he's, he's not going to retire. No, he's he's. I thought that's the high road. That is the high road. Yeah, I'm, I'm so proud of him. And then he whispered to me, "Daddy, oh, I might do something by accident." <laughs> Which I really liked because because it's, it's, it's like that. I, I just dial the escape hatch to one. She uh, might come into some kind of accident. Yeah, wouldn't it be a shame if if my sister were to have an accident? I was like, that's not how accidents work, son. Um, you know. Has there been like a? A kind of Home Alone style setup in your home since then, like little <laughs> little, little cars at the bottom yeah. of the stairs. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, thankfully not, thankfully. But he has actually he has used that line again since. You know, uh, she might have an accident. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's really not how it works. Anyway, so yes, family stuff. Right, should we talk about some tech news things that we've seen around the place in the news? Yes, <laughs> what, what, what has caught my news eye uh, on, on the internet. I recently found out about display contents okay. in CSS. So, you know, you're aware of the display property and CSS. I am the display block, display flex in line, in line block. There is display contents. What? Which I was previously unaware of. Um, and you know, this is shipped in Firefox. Okay. So it's been around a while. I've just managed to, to completely miss it. And what it means is that it acts as if that element is not there, but all of its child elements are including its pseudo-elements, as if they were just sort of pulled outside of it and then okay. placed there. So but, it's like it almost makes it like almost like a pass-through element. Pass-through is a good way to think about it, yeah. And, it, and this is really useful for things like... Um, well, if you've, got, if you've got an item that is display flex, yep. all of the child elements are going to be in that flex box. You know, yes. You're going to get an item per one. But then at some layouts, you might want them to be grouped. Like, you know, you might want one on its own and then the other five to be part of the same thing and then another one on its own. Yep. But then at some layouts, you want them all treated independently. Yes. And display contents lets you do that. It's like huh. at certain times, just take all of that, throw it outside. Uh, yeah, I've actually been 
building an update to to CSS triggers uh, this past week and a bit, and and I wonder if that might have helped there because there is a reformulation of layout, and I did find myself kind of balancing the layout in terms of the flex containers to just try and make sure that it worked. You know, that mm. kind of get you, you get doing kind of markup gymnastics that you do sometimes to be like, okay, so that's going to have to be in its own element, and but I can use a pseudo element here, and that can. I do that quite often. As like, you remember spacer gifs? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes I will do that um, with a before pseudo element or something like that. So I'll yeah. have the contents, and I will basically drop in a pseudo at certain breakpoints to kind of push the content out in this kind of spacer gif kind of way. Yeah, if you spacer gif will be taking up all the available remaining space, and I mean, and I know you could probably achieve it with like a certain. Margin kind of hands, left auto. Yeah, or, or hand standing on kind of flex shrink and flex grow. And mm. I've got to say, my understanding of Flexbox is occasionally lacking because it's just like, it's this, what is this, like eight or nine properties or something that you just kind of get just about right. And, and it's amazing, but I sometimes find myself spacer giffing. Oh, yeah, and trying to find out if it, is it is it justifying content or is it align items for this thing I want? I do not know. Just go into DevTools and just see. <laughs> That's every time. <laughs> I'm like, go. I, I'm teaching, uh, I'm te- well, Jen from uh, the previous New Year story, I'm teaching her how to uh, do HTML CSS at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, she's been asking me, how do you know which, which Flexbox property to use? I'm just, I just uh, you don't. Yeah, you just go into DevTools and give, give, it a go, <laughs> give it a go and find out. But you're, you're the performance guy. Oh. Like, when, if you've got too many layout boxes, I guess that impacts performance at some point. So if I've got an element that I'm not doing anything with, but I am doing like you know layout on the, the child elements, I find this with lists a lot. I'm not doing anything with the UL, but I'm doing stuff with the LI, or I'm not doing stuff with the LI, but I'm doing stuff with the first child of it, like it's a link or something. If it's a list of links, is there a performance gain to be had by making those display contents and sort of cancelling out the element? I have no idea. I mean, generally speaking, my understanding is that. Compared to the old float-based layout, flex mm. boxes are significantly faster. There's something about floats in particular that are particularly nasty. Um, it's probably one of those kind of weird edge cases that needs to be accounted for. Probably because floats can affect lots, lots yeah, of other elements right, outside right. of just a child's. Right, yeah. and 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 there's also, there's stuff to do with like the tree depth and the tree width in mm. terms of like number of siblings that are being accounted for. It's very hard to say just as kind of one sweep kind of, yes, it's always better to do the thing. Um, so uh, generally, it's that kind of classic performance answer of it depends. So um, other things that have caught my attention, um, uh, Eric Bidelman actually tweeted this, uh, I think it was this morning perhaps, that there's some ES2015 benchmarks out now Ooh. comparing the, the various ways that you can get your ES2015 code to run. So whether it's through... Babel, or whether it's directly, or whether it's uh, doing the equivalent work in ES5, for example. Right. So, like, doing, instead of an arrow function, you do an ES5 bind, or you use Tracer, or you use Babel, or whatever. And what really struck me was the pointlessness of the exercise, um, which might sound a little bit odd. But the the nature of a lot of these tests is, let's say I've got 10,000 arrow functions. Oh, I see. Uh, right. Let's run through that and 10,000 times and see which one's fastest. Mm. And I think the context in which that applies is games right? or some high P- C- CPU-intensive operation like uh, rendering uh, a scene, like a ray tracer or something like that, where every millisecond probably counts, and wow. especially in a game, like a real-time application in that way. Most of the time, most of the apps that I've certainly built and I see other people building, you're talking 10s, 20s, 30s, and it's fractions of a millisecond. And it it's important for engines to pursue performance. Of course it is, right? And there's no mm. reason why they shouldn't be fast at doing similar-ish things. But if somebody were to say, I'm not going to use an arrow function because in certain contexts it is, in fact... Uh, tiny, tiny bit slower. Uh, yeah. 37% over a million iterations. As it, you know, I had this conversation with somebody um, a good while back. Uh, they said um, they were struggling to make the case for using the button element, and they were using div oh. on click. And I said, why? why? And he said, well, um, the, our principal software engineer did a test, and when you have 50,000 buttons... <laughs> it, it, it's it's slower than fifty thousand divs. You know you know where I'm going, right? Well, I was going to say this is the, the the scariest game of Minesweeper uh, building. <laughs> I assume. Well, exactly. I said so. Uh, out of interest, the the app 
that you're building. What's the rough dom size of that? He said, oh, give me give me a while. Came back. It's 2,000 elements. Right. I went, are they all buttons? <laughs> you know, it's it's such a... And people always laugh at that story when I tell them. It's, but it's so true. It's so easy to get sucked into the minutiae of that number of iterations. It, it does come up time and time and time again. There's a place for micro benchmarking, but I don't think it's the the mainstream. Well, I, I've seen this before with, uh, like, where you, you'll see, uh, you know, debugging something, you'll find someone's written a for loop where they've got layout freshing going on yep. in the for loop. Uh, but the loop is written with the kind of, well, I'm, you know, going to set the, the I figure, uh, I variable at the start, and then I'm going to decrement the number as I go through because I've read a micro-benchmark where that's apparently faster. So, so much care and attention has gone into the for loop itself, whereas the, you know, it's just it's reading and writing styles and throwing up inside and yeah. like killing like you know hundreds of milliseconds on the internals of the for loop. Yeah, exactly. Although I did, um, so I I wrote a, a a thing that tried to streaming parse a uh, an MPEG into a GIF. You've seen this, right? Yes, it's yep, a yep. demo I did for the stream thing, and I tried to make uh, turn the MPEG encoder into something that could just take a network stream, which it didn't by default. And I I did that with with promises and async await converting to generators. And it was slow. And it was probably slow because I I did it really lazily. Um, but I did put it through Babel to, uh, and regenerate it to make it just a, a case statement rather than a generator. And it, it was about twice as fast. Well, it, it took half the time. It was still too slow. Right. But it was interesting to see that sort of going. But in I would that argue, case, it was noticeable difference. And I would argue that is one of those cases where you really feel it because you're doing something that's very CPU intensive, right? Mm. So now you need to start saving milliseconds because you're, it's not just sort of the difference between, you know, half a second and a second. You know, it's not like within the range of acceptable. Right. You're, you would, in your case, it was, you know, they were talking about some serious time to decode and re encode per frame and all the rest of it. So, it was yeah. a tools, not rules case. Right? right, exactly. And you kind of go, yeah, that's too slow. So now you try and optimize. But it's just it's seeing that list, I was like, it's cool that somebody's done it mm. and I like it, but I hope nobody tries to make um, a, an informed decision off the back of it. It felt like it much more. It was much more geared towards a, a vendor of, a, of an engine. I was going to say the one people who should be informed by it is pe- people like the, the V8 team. Right, exactly. Yep. Well, speaking of promises... They are coming to Node, or at least they're, they're trying to come to Node. I thought you could already do promises, because I'm pretty sure I've got Node code that kind of says new promise, resolve, reject, blah, blah, blah. So Okay, so yes, mean? promises are in V8, which Node uses, so you, yep. can't, yeah, you can't do a new promise. But the, all of the Node APIs are still very callback-based oh, okay. and callback-based yep, yep, yep. only. And, and so a guy called Chris Dickinson has, has started a PR to start... Um, adding to the, the core Node stuff and add promises into them. So how does this work? Because normally with uh, we've got a problem, I think, on the in the current state of things on the normal web platform that things that have taken a callback, they still have to take a callback so they don't break people's right. code. And they might return, say, say the IDB. It returns a transaction object, for example. How would you prom- promiseify something that already returned something. So how are they actually going to solve that in Node-land? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, because a lot of people just don't like promises. Um, a lot of people want to stay with callbacks forever. Uh, and a lot of their argument is is based on performance, which I, I would say, like, like we were talking about before, uh, you know, how often is, is this going to be a performance bottleneck? I would say not a lot. And, you know, promises are, are getting optimized in V8 uh, right now. But... Uh, fair enough. I'll, I'll I'll take what they're they're offering, and it's instead of doing like fs.read file, you would have uh, fs.read file.promise, which would be or, okay. or promised, which would be the same method but returns a promise. Okay. Or there's also like you, in future you might be able to do like require fs slash promise, and then you would get you know none of the callback versions, only only the promise versions, which kind of kind of makes sense. I don't know. I would have preferred a system where if you didn't provide a callback. It would return you a promise. It would kind of switch on that, but there are. It's not always easy to do that. Uh, there are some methods where it doesn't map to that. Some methods that you know are, su- are supposed to work without callbacks anyway. Right, and all of the sync ones, like read file sync, actually doesn't take a callback. Oh, of course, right. So, 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 so that all one, the sync ones are busted immediately. If you, oh well, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it for those. It would be it would be anything that's a callback. Okay. If, it, if it didn't take a callback, it, it would do this. But uh, one of the interesting bits that's come up about it is that um, so although I mean, you know how node callbacks work, right? It's like you get 
the first parameter of your callback is the error, yes. and the second parameter is the well, the rest is is the success stuff. Yeah. Um, so you you would expect null for error, and then the other stuff, or error to be something, and then null for the rest, or undefined for the rest. Yeah. But node methods will still throw, like uh, like a try catch style throw. So if uh, and I didn't fully appreciate this, but um, so if you provide like say the wrong parameter when you call it, what they call a program error, like you've just provided the wrong uh, arguments for this function, mm. it will throw. Okay. Whereas if it's a, I don't know, a sort of more functional error, like further down the line, you'll get the error as yeah, in so the like, callback. So for example, if you were to try and read a file and there was a problem reading the file, it would it actually bring you back an error to right. the callback, whereas if you when you were doing the read file call itself, yes. if you made a mistake there and you gave it some random parameter... That like you an object it, rather than a string it or would something. Then, that would, when it would throw. Okay, so it's kind of got the throw and then internal errors are propagated through the error object. And there's been discussion whether promises should do the same. And I, can, I, I don't like that node does that. I mean, I, and promises should certainly only reject. I, I don't see why, why you would want... Because if I'm handling errors... Be it in a sync way or an async way, like, well, I, I don't care if they have if they were able to happen synchronously. I just want to do it in the catch. Okay, because in an async uh, function world, there's n there's no telling the difference. But you've got with a promise, you're going to have three states anyway, right? You've got you've got resolved with some kind of failure, as in resolved in a kind of that's the same as reject. Uh, no, as it, so you've got so you've got rejecting itself. Which is mm -hmm. the, the equivalent to a throw. Yes. So in the in the read file example, you throw, which is a reject. Yep. Okay. Yep. Cool. But you've also got this kind of some kind of er error happened down the 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 down the way. Yep. And yep, we yep. we we would I would say I would say we could probably resolve the promise there, but with an error, as in <sighs> no. you want to resolve things with undefined and stuff like that, right? When you do you well, see what I mean that you're it's not always the case that you want to reject necessarily. You want to say, "I, I did the I did the action you asked me to do, but I, I didn't couldn't. get the I didn't get the output you wanted me to get." So you normally in, inside the the dot then you sort of go, "Well, you know, just check if this thing actually has the kind of the string I wanted, or, or if it's an actual error, for example. And if it's an error, okay, we've got a problem that we need to resolve." I would say you, ha, you resolve. Ha. <laughs> you, you would always try and map it back to what you would do with synchronous code. So. If you would throw, you would reject. If you would return, you would resolve. Okay. Uh, so, so yeah, if, if it's like if you're doing a lookup, like hey, you know, in this key value store, get me the thing with key this, you would return either the value or you would return undefined. Right. Um, whereas if there was some kind of fundamental reason that that data store could not be accessed, then that's your reject. Right. Yeah, so, I, I think it's, I think it's the same. So there's yeah. there's three, right? There's the is the so sort of oh yeah. the, there's the, the the found it the didn't find it which isn't necessarily an error it just means I didn't find it, and then there's the there's an actual error error. Agreed. Right? So because yeah. not finding it in a key value store is akin not necessarily akin to an error state. It might actually be you know valid to not find something. Right, which it most most of the time is. So, but your promise has resolve, and now the resolve has to account for two cases. And then yeah, and uh, yeah, the I found it, didn't find it, and then the reject, which is the which actual. is exactly the same in synchronous code. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, but the and I'm still seeing when I look at the node stuff, it's like it, it resolves the callback fires mm -hmm. with two states: the I found it, I didn't find it. Just yep. the I didn't find it has that error object. Which oh, is a funny really? Way to do it. Yeah, I think so. Did they do that? Well, that's mm. what it is, isn't it? Because the function, the callback function, is going to give you an error if it, if there was a problem. But that's ah, but this is the thing is like. And I don't, and I don't know, so I'd, I'd need to look at the Node API. But I think it, unable to find something doesn't isn't always shouldn't always be an error. I don't know what what Node does. Mm. But like saying if you're getting something, like if you if you said um, get me all of the uh, MongoDB, get me all of the items that look like this. Yep. Like I would if it couldn't find any, I would expect it to you know resolve or, or call back with a you know non-error but an empty array. Okay. I. I because uh, you know, that's 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 what you would do in like SQL. You wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't expect an SQL to it, throw. What's gonna, the, the interesting thing is under what context do you get an error passed back to the to the callback function? I think that's what really what what yeah. the, the nuance is here. I think it's I think it's any error that has to be async. You know, in any case, hmm. 
um, promises arriving or promisified APIs, I think is actually a step in the right direction. My hope mm. is that ultimately it becomes async await. I don't. I'm yeah. one of the people that kind of finds promises just a little bit too high on the cognitive load level, but I can sort of see that they are a stepping stone to async await because I and I like that the lot the most because of the fact mm. that it looks like synchronous code, but it behaves like asynchronous code. So it sort of pleases both parts of my brain, the bit that says it should not block and the bit that says I want to write code that kind of reads linearly and mm. makes sense to me as I look down the list of things that it's doing. And that's coming to V8. Uh, they're implementing that now. Cool. Uh, so that means it will be in Node. Wait, so uh, that, does that make it technically now ES 2016? Is that what it's actually part of if it's going to be shipping? Yeah, yeah. So, so Okay, yeah. Cool. Almost certainly. Smashing. That's good fun, isn't it? Yeah. All right, I want to move on, and I mm. want to go into the the fit text stuff. Oh, I'm I, I'm I'm leaping ahead. We did have one other thing, but I'm I'm mindful of time. Okay, okay. So well, let's let's talk about that. So yesterday, you and I were chatting about uh, you're working on something to do with your slides, aren't you? Yes. Uh, and you kind of kind of we talked about a bunch about the architecture of that, and um, I mean I can give the TLDR, which is that you're wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there was one thing that came out, which is this idea of um, when you've got titles for something in a presentation, uh, you normally have the width of your slides, which is not a big deal. But occasionally you'll write the title and then the, the title sort of wraps onto the next line. Mm. Uh, or, or you kind of go, all right, fine. For slide 17, your font size is you know 27 pixels. It's not 30 pixels like it is on every other slide. And it's just it's a, it's a faff. And, and quite often I don't want that. I want word art. Right. <laughs> From, you want word art. I want word art. That's your. That's a surprise. To <laughs> I want it to scale to the box that I have. Yes, that is true. You do want that. And so um, I struck upon the idea that um, you could do this with the humble canvas element. Mm. So I wrote a little thing yesterday, didn't I? I do need to like shove the code somewhere so everybody else can see it. But the basic idea was if you know the box that you're fitting to and you know the font that you've got, as in all the font data, there's nothing to stop you kind of using a canvas, notionally, it doesn't even have to be attached to the DOM, into its context, you just basically say, measure text. Mm. And you give it the font information. So you set the, the font info that you've got, you measure the text, and it will say, you know, it's 300 pixels wide. And you know the box that you were trying to fit it to, it's like 200 pixels wide. So you can then go, well, 300 over 200 is blah. Okay. So I know it's, you know, and to bring it down by 66 to 66% of what it was, to bring it down from the 300 to the 200. Oh. And, and I've done all that without even touching the DOM. So you can do all this off in memory somewhere. Okay. And all you have to do is keep a canvas around. And you can reuse uh. the canvas over and over and over again. It doesn't really matter. You know, it can just be there sat as a kind of dummy for a lot of this stuff. And then... And you're doing it all without layout thrashing because you're not actually touching the DOM. You're just working in memory. And, and, then and we, the when you write text for Canvas, it's, it's always going to be the same as writing it to an elements, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah it, should be the, it should be close enough in terms of all the mm. font metrics and all that stuff that I don't fully understand, letter spacing and all that. So, so you set up a kind of binary tree of sort of testing, testing the width, or is it? So no, actually in the end, yeah. So initially uh, the first version I had was like, okay, try it, like double the font size and see how far you are over and then kind of sort of leapfrogging back until you kind of settle to within a tolerance of the, the final size. Hmm. Never being larger than, but being up to tolerance less than the the ratio of one. So you yeah, you never kind of overshoot. So how many iterations does it tend to take, do you know? Well, now it takes about two. Oh, that's all right. Because it, try, it, yeah, it tries it at the current size, yeah. and it goes, well, that's too small, too big. And because the nature of font scaling is pretty linear, you can just kind of go, oh. what's the ratio between the width you actually measured and the uh, width that I actually want? So a font that's half the size takes up half the space? Normally, yeah. Well, that's pretty good. To, to is that true for all fonts? I guess it probably... It, it might not be. Is. I mean, you could, I could imagine that might be, there may be some... Because normally, like at really small font sizes, you tend to see that they change glyphs mm. to be more legible and things like that. But in the general case, and in the case of something like presentation titles you're probably talking within a few pixels oh, yeah. of sizes of each other, you know, maybe going from 30 to 27 or 30 to 25, something like that. And so within the kind of scope of what you were setting me as the challenge, it's actually normally close enough. Um, and so anyway, you've got this kind of, you've got this one read that you do at the start of the frame where you kind of go, okay, tell me about the thing that I'm trying to resize, hmm. which you can, which is 
and I'm going to say free, but it's very cheap because you've got the previous frame essentially to tell you everything about the current layout of everything mm -hmm. on the page. So you're asking for computed styles, which have already been computed. Okay, so that's cheap. And then you've got this canvas that you're operating in memory, so you're not actually doing anything on screen anyway. So you've got pure JavaScript computational cost at this point, essentially. Yep. And then you make your change to your element that you're interested in. And if you had multiple ones, you could do all the reads up front and then all the writes thereafter. Yep. Okay, so yeah, you just do sense. all the reads up front, uh, which is using the previous computation, and you're not changing any styles. And then you do all the writes, which will mutate the styles. But you're going to go into the layout pass straight afterwards anyway, or the style pass and then the layout pass anyway. Right, for the eventual. So you're not doing anything here that you wouldn't have done you know, that's sort of unfriendly to the browser. You could do it in a request animation frame if you wanted to kick it off at the kind of the right time um, or do it after a resize because you've already resized anything anyway, so you're going to have to do layer after that anyway. It feels like something you want to have access to synchronously. You yeah. Know, get, yeah. get me the measurement for this so I can work out some other stuff. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about that is that this kind of leads in very nicely to Houdini. Well, yeah, go on then. You, go on then. Go on then. I'll let you talk about Houdini. No, no, no. You, you, well, I, I, I was... Having a think about this, and I, because I hit another problem, a very similar problem, where with uh, I wanted my slides to appear as big as they could appear within oh, an no. element, and it's it's oh. a, it's the same problem though, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's exactly the same thing. I mean, I ended up we using have, we have object fit, don't we? This is what I was thinking. This is exactly what I was thinking. Hmm. Object fit only works on replaced content, I believe. So things like images, hmm. video, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so media, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, in, they call it replaced content in in CSS. So why 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 do they call it that? Oh, uh, why can't it, they just call it what it is? Well, because if you had a um, a, a pseudo element and you did content URL and passed an image, that's also replaced content. Uh, uh, yeah, still media. Oh, yeah, oh fair, fair enough. Fine, I, fine. Let's just move on from the legalism of browser and <laughs> and styles. Stuff. Well, well, I agree with you. Why can't object fit and contain just work on an element? This seems like, weird. Because it, it, it knows the render size of the element, which you could either specify with width or height, or it could be its layout size. And then fit and contain could expand it to the... you know, the. the but what does that expense? do? Does that apply an implicit scale operation I to reckon it? so, yeah. yeah. Which, oh, and a translate as well. Yeah, like, yeah. right, because you you'd say, say scale around your midpoint. Or something to fit. Well, yeah, or, well you, you would want it so that even if there was a kind of, like, I don't know, if there was a margin at the side, okay, there'll be stuff to work out around. Like, look, look, I'm not the science guy. <laughs> I'm the ideas guy. <laughs> Some of my best but, friends are ideas guys. Yeah. Well, um, we're probably starting to hit upon why this, why this hasn't been done. Yes. But but it, it seems like it would be a nice thing to say, hey, contents of, of you just scale so that the bounding, the total bounding box of all the children uh, you know, is, is touching the, the top... Um, top, bottom, left, and right, or you know, either in a, a kind of contains way or a uh, yeah. um, what's the other one? It's contains and I don't know which one because I know there's, there's, con there's containment, but that's the only one I know. Well, no, like object fit contains and object fit where it expands covers. 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 Yes, it's it the same as uh, background size. Yes, exactly. But this would also help, I think, with um, third-party content because. Like, say, for example, you want to say you want to prevent um, an ad from moving content around the page. Mm. Being able to say constrain it to this box would actually be useful. Yeah, um, I agree. And without losing, you know, kind of keeping it in proportion. Because the thing is, we've got containment coming down the wire to browsers, which is going to be where you can say this element, mm. I would like you to contain its style calculations or its layout or its painting. Um, or all the things, which is, I think, strict is going to be the keyword for that. And the idea is that you can never go outside of that box. Yes, and I, I, I said to you, I think I was trying to work out, like, in what way is overflow hidden not what you're talking about? And I said, and be you said. <laughs> because you can use position fixed on a child, and that will break it out of the box. Which I didn't know at all. That, yeah. I mean, who's, whose idea was that? Oh, man, that's mate, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like, oh, and, well, and it... Ironically, um, I think if you had something like will change transform on the element, it might not do it because it would, make, right. it would change the, the initial containing block to be the the, the parent element once again. Hmm. The whole thing seems to me to be mired in edge cases and competing specifications that have kind of manifested themselves in these fairly knobbly bits of the web hmm. where you go, 
I thought, say, a position fixed thing would be position fixed to the viewport until you put, you know, transform on it. And similarly, if I've got something as overflow hidden, why is something that overflows it not hidden? Right. Yeah. I that, mean, it that, feels it feels like a bit of a misnomer. Yes. Um, it was also one of those moments when I discovered that set immediate in JavaScript um, does not necessarily fire immediately. immediately. No, it's a task. It's it's yeah exactly. <laughs> it, it'll get put somewhere on that the end of that. I think, just, I think that's why we don't have any interest in implementing it. It's yeah. a very misleading name. Na naming is hard. Out zero. Naming yeah. is hard. I mean, we've got some really bizarrely named. I, I often find loads of DOM APIs that I just didn't know existed. Oh, you had you con create contextual fragment. Yes. DOM range dots. What the heck is that? I was like, I, I read that and I was like, <laughs> I don't even. What is that? And you can look it up on MD and you're like, ah, oh, yeah. okay. And it's like, um, I just there's loads of them. I mean, every day there's an opportunity to discover some weird esoteric part of the, the web that has existed since IE4 that you sort of think, that's brilliant and bonkers, and I had no idea it existed, and um, I wish I had because it could have solved all these things for me. And There's a really good wiki page of, of CSS mistakes, <laughs> and, it, and it's by, by the CSS working group, um, uh, and, and it's here's stuff we shouldn't have done. Like uh, really simple stuff. Like <laughs> it's like, really cathartic. It's, uh, it's it's lovely to read. It's like why is opacity a number between zero and one, rather than a percent like we use everywhere else? Why isn't opacity a value between zero and two five five, like it actually is? Yeah. You know, it, do you know what? When you do shaders work, um, it's all floats, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But you, it is. Um, it is all zero to one values mm. um, in shaders. Normally, um, so it's interesting. I wonder if it's sort of somebody from a graphics background has kind of looked at that and gone, "Well, I can map that value directly." And when they were doing RGBA, they're like, "Yes, well, I want all of these to be at their maximum." Um, so it's two five five, two five five, two five five, one. Uh, and there's great stuff like, you know, why is it exclamation mark important, which in any other language would mean not, not important. important. <laughs> uh, no rap uh, doesn't have a hyphen in. No. Uh, whereas everything, uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of writing. Oh, we should definitely link to that in some show notes. In fact, yes. we should put some show notes out. What you a concept. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> you were going to talk about, uh, oh my God, I've got a Wookiee in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You're right I, over there. I'm just recovering from a cold, I think. <laughs> Oh, I uh, oh, we see we had uh, we had the Americans visiting last week. We did, uh, and that meant so they, br they brought some some colds, some cough diseases, um, and all the way so from the States. yeah, so they, it's exotic in this office at the present moment. Uh, and the problem is, is because they were staying in hotels and stuff. Like you know, there's, it's quite you know. Well, I know when when I stay in a hotel for a conference, it's very easy to go out drinking. So, and when someone else is there saying, "Oh, do you want to go out drinking?" I'm like, yeah, why not? And I I cannot. Do I try to do three nights in a row, and I I can't do two nights in a row anymore. I can barely do one night in a row, but three nights in a row, it's just it killed me for like a week. Yeah, just all my immune system. It's your just age, gone. brother. Yeah. But anyway, so aside from you coughing up a lung, yes, I was going to talk about Houdini. Houdini. Right? Yes, yes, Houdini. Yes. Um, I actually did uh, a blog post fairly recently about the anatomy of a frame, mm. where I just basically I often get asked this question like. How does layout work? You know, what is update layer tree? People see these things sort of arriving in the timeline in DevTools, and it can be very confusing because sometimes things are there, sometimes things aren't, and so on. So I wrote this post, and it explains how a frame gets to be from the moment the compositor gets the vSync all the way through to we ship something to the GPU. Mm. But the good thing is that um, most of the time, it's like, Complete mystery. We shove HTML, CSS, and JavaScript in one side, and we get pixels out the other. No more. This is basically <laughs> the answer to this. Uh, Houdini is is the opportunity. I think is the best way to put it to explode that pipeline, that workflow out into things that a developer can control. So instead mm. of like compositing just being this kind of thing where the browser goes, well, I'm going to do all the compositing. You can kind of go, yeah, but I want to be involved in that step, please. I will actually, and you get things like scroll position in the compositor worklet which is great um, because it means you can now do things like parallaxing properly. Right, so you can, you're hooking into every frame as the scroll position yes, changes. Yes, exactly. You're, instead of being kind of completely unhooked and getting scroll events asynchronously whenever the, the compositor sort of deigns to tell you that the scroll position changed, mm. you're now completely hooked in, which is a dangerous position to be if you do something stupid. But we 
RC, well, the, the spec basically really locks down what you can do. It's not like you can do normal DOM manipulation stuff in there. It's like you get this little window with a very fixed API, and lots of stuff is read-only, um, but you can set some stuff like transforms, mm-hmm. which, again, is perfect for like a, a scroll-based effect. Anything uh, that's compositing-driven. Right, exactly. And um, so there's loads of stuff. There's one that's uh, for paint that's again if you rather than say using loads of dom elements to create a certain effect what if you essentially had like a canvas style api where you could just kind of ah. and as far as things like accessibility and everything is concerned it's still a dom element it's still you know as you'd expect um but you're just saying i will deal with the painting of that thank you very much so i one of the examples I heard for this is like if, if you click a button and you want a ripple effect on yeah. it, at the moment you have to create lots of dummy elements right. and, and put stuff in, and that, and that just means you, you know you can do this purely at a paint level. So I mean, it, it doesn't make it better in terms of accessibility, but at least it's getting rid of needless elements from the DOM. Exactly, and but it's not like you've got this kind of faux tree underneath and just kind of going, how do I make this accessible? It's still the same elements that you would have had anyway. It's still mm. a button. It's still a thing. But you're saying I will deal with drawing. That button. So my poetry sounds like a small village in the Midlands, doesn't it? <laughs> I'd love to go there. Welcome to poetry. <laughs> Hello, welcome to poetry. Uh, we've got a post box now. <laughs> uh, my wife is from the Midlands, and so every day is an opportunity for me to drop that accent <laughs> right into conversation. Uh, and I often get into trouble because she's like, she actually hasn't got a particularly strong Midlands accent, but whenever I do the impression of her, I ramp it right up to yep. 11 because yep. that's what I do because I'm like that. Um, so Houdini then, mm. yes, going back to that. Uh, <laughs> Remember when we were talking about Houdini? We were talking about the web. Um, Houdini, it, it, it's not just going to be uh, compositing and there'll be painting. They're talking about one for layout as well. Mm. And brilliantly, which would have helped our text fit to sort of canvas thing that I was talking about earlier, there's going to be one for measuring elements and measuring, saying basically, if I were to put this element into the page, into this context, Tell me everything about where it would be on screen, its dimensions, mm. all those kinds of things. So it's like a measurement API, which would, again, allow you to kind of go, in which case, the font size should be blah. And you'll be, you, rather than doing it kind of fighting with the browser, you'll be inserted into that workflow that it's going to have anyway mm. and giving you that kind of opportunity to go. You know, the thing about all these parts of the, of the workflow is that they are, by their very nature, going to be trying to figure out all the edge cases and do, you know, make sure that if you just give it a flex box, it knows exactly what you're trying to do. Whereas, in this case, you might just say, look, it's 300 pixels wide. It's always 300 pixels wide. Just return 300. This is fine. Presumably, you could use this to polyfill kind of masonry layouts or yeah. even something like grid. Yep. All of that. All of that completely just kind of makes, you know, gives you that opportunity to code it, which is really exciting because it's not only is it opening up opportunities, but it hopefully starts giving us kind of ways to sort of avoid doing the kind of workarounds, the silly workarounds mm. we've had to do just to kind of go, well, look, we, we want to do these layouts and the, the browser doesn't do them by default. So we kind of do these really horrible hacks with like position absolute and blah, blah, blah. Huge win for the extensible web. Yes, indeed. Mm-mm. Right. Let's talk about something else. Cancelable promises. Let's talk about cancelable promises because this has been something that's that's been yeah. happening. I actually, I never thought about the fact that um, you couldn't cancel a promise mm. until I was sat in a, a talk and uh, actually somebody was going on a sort of a giving a bit of a barrage against promises, which I didn't mm. think was actually all that valid. But the one thing that, they, that he said was, and you can't cancel a fetch. Right. I thought, yes. I thought mm. huh. And then I realized that I never tried to cancel a fetch and the, I've only ever cancelled and aborted an XHR once in my professional career. Now, that might mean I'm not a very good programmer, which is fair enough. Maybe it's an edge case I don't, or a case I don't consider very often. Well, if you've got a limited number of connections you can take and one of them's hanging, I guess you, you know, there is a good case for cancelling them, but it doesn't come up as often as I, as I think uh, some people suggest. But, but it is a hole in fetch, right? Mm. It's, it's a, you can cancel a response. You can do the, the streams thing that yeah. you cancel a response, um, but yeah, cancelling a, a fetch is is not like it's not something that's possible. And it came down to two things: it's like we we knew we wanted cancelable promises to do this, and we either waited or we shipped and then added it in later. And we went for the latter. Else, we you know we still wouldn't have fetch. We still would therefore wouldn't have service worker. Um, but cancelable promises are are starting to arrive. Are they? Yes. So uh, how does this work then? Because We've talked already about the fact that when you 
have a promise it's got resolve reject resolve kind of can resolve with a kind of undefined value or a null value or an empty array something like that and yep. it can also resolve with some kind of let's call it a meaningful value yes. and it can also reject so if you cancel what happens to the chain of promises that it belongs to so so promises currently have like three states yep. there's pending resolved rejected yep uh, or settle yeah resolve yeah that's that's them um, the idea is to add a new one okay. which is cancelled okay uh, and so when you create a promise you get resolve reject and cancel oh okay and so would, a third would, parameter and you would call that with a reason with a rejection well not a rejection reason a, a cancel reason okay um, and, and that's and, and then you, you're it, and then it, it, and you pass in uh, how, how, you rewinding? How, how far do we rewind <laughs> I don't know how far we rewind maybe, maybe just don't edit it Just we'll, we'll keep it like this it's raw unedited yeah I was probably um, there's only one or two things that I think need to go so far okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah there's this third one which is cancelled oh. and you can call that uh, and you know as, as type <laughs> come on dude here we go here we go and as uh, you can only call resolve or reject because if you call reject after resolve it doesn't do anything yep. the same will be true with cancel okay. it's like you call one of them and then that's your yep that's you done that's you done right and the result is it doesn't resolve and it doesn't reject. Okay. Okay. It cancels. It is a definite third thing. So my dot then has a like a as a kind of a, has the kind of the re- resolve and reject kind of path. It would get a new one. So you get cancel. a third callback to add into the dot then. And you'll also get like a a, a catch cancel uh, a dot catch cancel, which would be like dot catch. You know, oh, a sort okay. of shortcut. So, so you got dot then dot catch. And is it or is it going to be like a dot finally or dot cancel? Well, this this is the thing. So you you can specifically catch cancellation yep, using okay. this third then thing or using this catch cancel and passing the callback. Yeah. But really, you very rarely need to do that. Okay. What we want, and it's something that's been missing from promises really from the start, is finally, hmm. which is I want to do this thing, no matter what happened. Yep. So uh, some people will say that they want cancellation to surface as a rejection. And we see APIs that unfortunately shipped with this behavior, and I think it's wrong. Uh, the, the web animation spec, if an animation is stopped in, mm. in, a, in a, a kind of... Well, I mean, it's if, it's, can- if it's cancelled, right? If it's cancelled. Call, like, call in, a spade a spade, mate. Yes, so if the element is removed from the DOM or another transition of some sort takes over, yep. like overwrites it, yep. then the original like promise representing that, pro- uh, that animation will uh, reject with an abort error. Which is really weird because I ended up using the web animation thing and I was ending up with all these errors in my console. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, abort error, abort error. And I was like, what have I I done wrong? You know? Mm -hmm. I know it's just some animations that have cancelled. I'm like, well, I'm fine with that. Whereas in a a proper cancellation world, say you started a spinner animation and then you, you know, use some promises to do some stuff, your dot finally would be stop the spinner. Yeah. Because if someone cancels it, you don't want to do the dot catch. You don't want to show the error message. Right. Because it's like, well, we've cancelled it. Yep. It's fine. But you still want that spinner to stop. Right. I mean, you, you said to me before that promises are try-catch. And yeah. try-catch has a finally. Norm, in, in Java, at least, for example. Um, so, you know, it does feel like it's a very natural fit to this. So there is also part of this proposal is to extend try-catch with catch-cancel. Okay. And also with throw-cancel. Okay as a way to sort of represent cancellation in synchronous code as well, and therefore in asynchronous functions. Okay, that's actually going to be my next question is, if you've got async await, okay, mm. how does a cancel manifest itself in well, this world? It'll manifest itself in, inside a finally. Okay. But also inside one of these catch catch cancel things, which you okay. would I think would rarely use. It's just there because, you know, we should... You know, the the the, AP, the web should give you access to everything that's going on. Yeah, uh, so I, I, I think I need to see that code written out to kind of know how that would work if I've got something where I'm awaiting a function uh, and waiting for its response back, but that thing cancels. So then it, you would have that in a try. You have that try block. Tr- try block. Okay. In, in a way, you would now to catch rejection. Okay. But you'd also have your finally, finally and then just do the thing there. Yep. Sounds great. Sounds really good. Sounds like something I want. Sounds I, I'm, I'm, like I said before. I want a, async await as soon as humanly possible. Yep. And and all the the last question from that is uh you know do we want another kind of promise which is externally cancelable? Yes. That's, 
I actually want I want promises to be completely controllable from the outside, generally, not just cancelable. Well, that's, that's that's where a lot of people disagree. Yeah, but they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another argument we had. And if, if anyone's interested in finding out more about that uh, and want a way to spoil your day really quickly, there is a, well, a, an that's issue just mailing on GitHub. Lists. That's just mailing lists and, and, and GitHub issues. Isn't well, it? this GitHub issue is, is especially like a mailing list. There's, oh, a, there's a, lot of, a lot of filibustering oh, good. Um, going on in there, I think. Who uh, doesn't enjoy a bit of that? Me. Yeah, I don't enjoy any bit of that. It's no. one of those where the browser doesn't quite know how to render the scroll bar anymore. Oh, <laughs> it's no. got to that kind of disaster. <laughs> it is interesting, though. There's some interesting points there. So, I mean, I feel like we've talked quite a lot. Yeah. Should we Should we park it there? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do that, and yeah. then we'll pick this up next time. Mm-hmm. We've got stuff that we haven't hit on today that we can do next time, which is good, because that means we shouldn't like have that long, sad stare in each other's direction and go, well... Episodes nine through twelve, they uh, they never manifested, did they? We we're not going to do that yeah, again. Hopefully, yeah. I'm very sorry for the delay in getting mm. you a podcast. We but but we've saved a, a good one, yes. maybe. I uh, know. If, if got... you're listening to my voice now, we consider this to be good. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, we consider it like better than what we did. Yes. So even if you think this is terrible. Bear, think, have a think about what we saved you from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's not about the quantity. It's very much about the quality. And let's be honest, that... Uh, we had quantity nailed in the other episodes. Oh, yes. <laughs> we talked for, like, well over an hour, yeah. and it was rubbish. And I think this time I'm just going to just chop a little bit off. But yeah. most of this is going to get right through to everybody. So I'm very excited about that. We'll try and get another one done in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, obviously, if you've got any thoughts, even like even if you actually have a strong opinion on promises, I mean, who doesn't? Mm. Um, apparently, everybody does, according to that thread. So yep. yeah, chime in with your thoughts. I mean, Jake loves getting <laughs> thoughts, and he particularly loves enjoying. He loves to, uh, to discuss on it on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter yeah. in particular, yeah. because if you can't distill it into 140 characters, it's not a valid argument. Apparently, exactly. Um, exactly. And I enjoy I enjoy the ones where somebody just starts and they do one over n. Because yeah. they know they're going to smash through at least about 20... They're just going to do the tweet storm thing. They're going to they're gonna flood you with it. Why not? Jake yeah. loves that. Um, Send us your opinions and uh, we might read them out in the next episode. Yes. Or we might just start the show with, here's a list of people that were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say what for. We're just no, going to read say, out the names yeah. and uh, then carry on. Might be, might be quicker to just do the set of people that were right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing how you argue on Twitter. All right. <sighs> Thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Why are you waving? Why are you waving at me? <laughs> I don't know why I'm waving. It's not, it's not a visual medium, Jake. I'm waving at you, Paul. <laughs> bye-bye, Paul. Bye. Bye-bye. 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 Until bye-bye. we go out of that door and bye-bye. go and sit next to each other at our desks. <laughs> I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs>